I wanted to start off this morning by just acknowledging that I have been a pastor at CLC for uh, a pretty long time. Like, um, it's been 13 years, actually. And I realized recently that I've been a member of our church for over 20 years. Some of you in this room aren't even over 20 years old, right? Um, And I I feel like... um, Maybe if you're with the community and you're one with the community, you, you kind of earn some stripes in the sense that you can s- say certain things because you, you know the people, right? And I would like to think I've earned those stripes, you know? And we'll see if I have. But, um, but, but here's the thing. I, I, I know our church. I love our church. And what I'm saying is from a place of love. Um, our church is amazing. Like one of the coolest things about our church is uh, uh, very humble people here, very generous people here. People love to serve, right? Is that true about you guys? That's true, right? Here's the thing. I would say that one of our greatest weaknesses as a church, like our greatest problem as a church, and I've said this before and I'm still convinced this thing is, is, has got to be the greatest problem of our church. In fact, as we can put as many resources to solving this problem, I think it would completely transform the church. I mean, God's doing great stuff, but I'm just wanting to put some focus on this area right here. Uh, So again, I love you guys too much to not bring it up. This is what I see as the greatest problem of our community, which is we, um, we don't know how to enjoy God. I think that's, that's a good way of saying it. We don't know how to enjoy God, right? And, and my next statement, I'm, I'm not wanting to shame or guilt anyone. It's just, I'll give you just a, a, a really quick demonstration of this, and then I think there'll be, people will agree. Like, we probably have more joy at a Warriors game than we do at church. And I'm not um, embarrassing anyone here, like Alvin's wearing a warrior shirt right there. I'm not like pointing him out or anything. I was going to wear my warrior shirt today, right? I mean, God, uh, God has been blessing the warriors. I mean, it's a good gift. I'm just saying it's just not an ultimate thing. An ultimate joy should be experienced in ultimate places. And here we worship the ultimate God. It's just, why is it that we have more joy at a warrior's game than here at church? Now, fundamentally, it's like, that's not right. Right? That's not right. Come on, I got some nods. That's not right, right? Okay, and, and so if we can acknowledge that and we put resources to fix it by God's grace, I believe that all these other potential problems that we have will be fixed. I, I definitely believe that. Like, like one problem in our church, one problem in our church is that, okay, 4.5 billion people don't know Jesus, and if you follow the Romans' uh, argument, they're headed for an eternity without Jesus. Okay, that, that's a big problem. All these people groups don't know Jesus. Now, uh, how that relates to our church is that we've sent money, but we haven't really sent somebody to really be the solution by God's grace to share the solution, which is the gospel. Now, okay, that's a problem. We haven't really sent out a career missionary. Well, guess what? If you fix the lack of enjoyment of God, then people are burning with passion for God. I got to let this news out. And I got to go and, and share to these people who have never heard them. You, you just naturally, you just do it. 
You, you don't even have to talk about, hey, well, then we got problem number two and three. No, you fix this one, I, I, I dare say you, you fix them all. So what we're talking about today is really that important. Now, here's the thing. It's so important that we're not just going to give one message to it. In the fall, we're going to make the whole series about addressing this problem, putting more resources, more time, more scripture, more prayer. Uh, and I'm pretty, really excited about it, and that's coming your way. Consider today a little bit of a teaser, like a preview, okay? Um, now, let me, let me share about the series. The series is the Gospel of John, the first half, getting out there, right? It's about evangelism, sharing our faith. Uh, last week, Calvin talked about breaking down social barriers, walking across the room, shaking the hands of the Cavaliers fan, and, you know, and being able to share life and Jesus and joy, right? Well, the message today is about finding satisfaction in Jesus. Finding Jesus incredibly satisfying. And I do think that this passage is really talking about that. And really, this is the, at the very core of our deepest issue. It uh, won't be the last time we'll be talking about this, but uh, I say by God's grace, um, he will enable us to fix this, this problem. This passage will also help. Now, the way that this connects with the whole series is that, look, if you are finding great joy and satisfaction in Jesus, no one needs to get up here and say, hey, why don't you go share Jesus with someone? No, you don't, no one has to tell you to do that. You just want to do that. It's like the best thing I've ever experienced in my life. I got to share it. I got to, you know. Um, and so that's the big idea. If we can increase the joy factor by God's grace. Man, evangelism just happens. It just happens. Okay. I'm preaching too much. All right. Let's let uh, Johnny and Michelle uh, um, unpack the uh, word of God for us. John 4, 1 through 26. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now 
The one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is the word of God. I I wanted to to share again just a, a story uh, you, you might have heard bits and pieces of the story, but I just wanted to kind of put it together. It, it does kind of start in high school. It, it's one of my personal stories. Um, if you were to ask me in high school when I was like 15, 16 years old, like what is the one thing you want more than anything? Now, I, I don't know, like what, what, how would you have answered that if you guys were 15, 16? For me, it was really clear. Right? And I, I know it sounds kind of desperate and pathetic, but I'll be very honest with you. I wanted a girlfriend more than anything. I wanted a girlfriend. I did. I just wanted a girlfriend. And part of the reason why, I'm, here's, here I'm trying to ex- explain myself. Um, my father died when I was relatively young. And so I kind of grew up with this gaping hole. My, my mom did the best she could. She was a great mom, but there was, there was a lack of just emotional nurture in the family. And so here I was, and I was in a lot of desperation. I, I was really just wanting something. I didn't know what I even wanted, you know. And so I would watch movies, and the movies would basically said, you know, if you can get this really cute girl to look at you and find you desirable, then you are loved, and then all those gaping holes would just go away, right? I mean, you guys have watched movies like that, right? Come on, isn't that every, every Korean drama? Come on, right? Come on, mass confession, right? It's, and so I was like, okay, that's the answer. That's my salvation, and I was looking, and I was looking, and I was desperate, you know? And it's a wonder to me that in high school I did not get a girlfriend. Amen. You guys agree, right? Well, then this carried on to college. Now, I'm on the college scene. I'm at Cal, okay? And um, let me tell you the number one thing I wanted more than anything. Anyone want to guess? Yeah, still a girlfriend. Story doesn't get any better. Still a girlfriend. Now, here's the thing. Like, in my freshman year, I had some skills I didn't have in my freshman year in high school. So i got to tell you, I was a walking, flirting mess. I was basically meeting all these women. And back then, I don't know what you're looking at right now. Back then, I was younger and taller. Back then, I was taller. Right? And I was just, just talking and just getting numbers and, and leading all sorts of women on in my dorm. And um, I can be quite charming when I try, right? Amen? Okay. All right. <laughs> wow, that was like <laughs> crickets were chirping. I, I could hear them. Okay, but just believe me, it's my story. Okay, it's my version. Okay, this is true. Okay, so I'm leading all sorts of, of women on, and there is one conference about reconciliation. And they're like, in this room, if there are people, 
that um, you need to reconcile with, and I encourage you to go and reconcile with them. And I had a line of women come up to me and say, I need to talk to you. Because I was reckless. Because I was convinced that if a girl could look at me and find me desirable, then that gaping hole would be filled, you know? Then I would be somebody, right? And, and so I was leading all these girls on, and my, my, my mentor at the time, he was like, Andrew, you're a mess. And he introduced me to this concept that I never really knew existed. It was called a girl fast. Have you guys ever gone on a girl fast? I went on one. I didn't really, wasn't really that interested in a girl fast, to be honest with you, but my mentor was like, look, bro, you need, you need this. And so I really felt God's conviction. I went on a girl fast. And for months and months and months, I wasn't focusing on uh, women and meeting women, just guy friends and developing that. And I didn't really find guy friends very satisfying, you know. I, I wanted the woman to look at me in a fur, you know, I didn't, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. So one time I'm like going through withdrawals, you know. I'm like, I want to, you know. And so I call up my mentor, Hank. I'm like, you got to get over here. He comes over here. I'm like, Hank, 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 I really want a girlfriend. And I'll never forget what Hank said to me. Unforgettable words. He looked at me and he said, Andrew. I do too. <laughs> and we both had a little like, oh man, that's crazy. And we were praying for each other. And I, I got through the girl fast. But listen, I'll tell you what happened. You fast forward, fast forward the story. Now I'm in my 20s and I have met the girl. I have met, and I met her in this church. And I met her in my home group. I met the girl. She was the girl of my dreams. And I couldn't, I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I was so happy. Like, I was, I, I was at, at work and I wasn't very satisfied with my job. I would just think of this girl and my whole day was changed. I was so in love. And then six months went by and then a year went by and something happened. I don't know what happened. We actually broke up for a little bit of time. I actually almost broke up with Raina permanently because I was just like, I don't understand it. All my life I've been looking, and then now I found it, and it, I mean, she's great. It's just, I thought that I would never be lonely again, and I was. I thought I'd be totally complete, and I wasn't, and I thought I'd be totally fulfilled, and I was, like, sort of, but I'm, I was like, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not, maybe I got, but it wasn't Raina. I mean, she was a great girlfriend and she's a great wife but she doesn't make a great god and I'm just like I didn't know what to do and so for, for a part of time I thought it must not be Raina maybe it's another girl but then I, you know I, the, the, the reality is no she's awesome and she'd make an awesome wife she just wouldn't make an awesome god well uh, fast forward, I would say, like, in marriage, I am really, really, really happy in marriage. But it's not because Raina was able to fill the gaping wound. It's not because Raina was able to fill my soul. There is only one person that can fill that part of your heart and that part of the soul. One person. And that's what we're talking about today. So, um, in John 4... We have Jesus on a journey, and Jesus is tired. He's exhausted. And so he sits down at a well. Now, the well probably looks like this. But imagine, like, 2,000 years ago, it probably looked better than that, all right? Now, he sat down. He probably sat at, you know, one of the walls of the well. 
And as he sits down on the well, there's this woman who approaches him, and she's carrying, like, I don't know, a bucket, some sort of receptacle, right? Jesus doesn't have one. She has one. And so she goes to the well, and she's doing her thing. And Jesus turns to her and says, can you give me a drink? Now, the Samaritan woman acknowledges that this is kind of a weird thing. Now, it's weird on multiple levels. You're a guy. I'm a girl. Guys don't talk to girls like this. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. That's also weird, too. So she just calls it out. This is weird. This is weird. You're talking to me. You're at, this is weird. Jesus turns to her and says, if you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who it is that's talking to you, you would ask him, and he would give you what? Living water. Okay. Now, let's work with that. Living water. Now, I, I want you to know that there's multiple levels. John normally works in multiple levels. But this, on a literal level, actually makes sense. Because in that day, I guess you could generally say there's two sources of water. One kind of water is stagnant water. It's been there for a long time, you know. And when it's been there for a long time, there's no energy, there's no movement. Stuff kind of grows in it. It gets cloudy, algae, bacteria, right. Now, here is a picture that you might recognize. Where's that from? Any guesses? Lake Merritt. How many of you guys have been to Lake Merritt recently? You've been boating, you're walking around the lake, and this is a common scene, right? You see the algae, you're like, ugh, gross, right? That is one source of water. It's been there a long time. It's collecting algae. There's not a lot of movement, all right? Now, Jesus is not talking about that kind of water. When he says living water, he's talking about flowing water, spring water, active water, right? A lot of the bacteria, a lot of the this, this, this stuff, it gets cleansed, it's filtered through. Now I'm talking about the good, flowing, clean, pure stuff, something like that. Ah, let me hear you guys go, ah. Okay, go back to the picture, you go, ew, let me hear you say, ew. And then you go back to the, that spring water and you go, ah, very good, okay, you guys are with me. Okay, now, now, stay with me, okay, so Jesus like living water, okay. Now, she's interested. You got her attention, Lord. Now, now she's going with Jesus, and she goes, okay, um, but you don't got no receptacle. You don't got no bucket. I got a bucket. How are you going to get this water? And then, secondly, she's like, okay, you were talking about if you knew who it was that was talking to you. Who are you, by the way? Are you greater than the greatest man I know, which is Jacob? Okay, now, now, now pay attention. Jesus, Jesus goes where... She's been going. They're going someplace. Jesus goes, let me tell you about this living water. The first thing he says is that if you drink this water, now he's pointing to the well water, you're going to be thirsty again. You know that's true. You drink this water, a couple hours from now, you're going to be thirsty again. But now pay attention. This is so cool. I've been, I've been meditating on this. It is awesome scripture. I love this John 4 uh, uh, visual that Jesus gives. He says, but the water I give him, you, if you drink of the water I give you, you will never thirst. You guys hear that? Jesus is saying, you drink the water I give you, you will never be thirsty again. Like how awesome is that? If you drink the water that only Jesus can give you, your soul will never be thirsty again. These are awesome, amazing, powerful promises. Okay, now, these are, okay, Jesus is like, you drink the water that I give you, your soul 
will never be thirsty again. That is powerful. But, but listen to this. Jesus keeps on going. He, he goes a step further. Now, let me, let me illustrate this. Uh, Laura, can I have you stand up? Okay? Just stand up. Okay, this is what I want you to do. Um, I, I'm going to illustrate and explain the scripture, but I'm going to actually do it through uh, you as a visual. Okay? So if you, if you would just stand front and center. Okay. All right. So Jesus, first of all, he goes, living water. And you're like, oh, oh you mean like the flowing clean kind. Yes. But he goes even further. He's like, this is water for your soul. You drink this water, your soul will be permanently satisfied. Let me hear you guys say permanently satisfied. Okay, now Jesus is going to take it a step further. Okay, a step further. Now this is what he says. He says, the water that I give you. Okay, now Laura is going to be the you. Okay, now here I have, I have water. Now I don't know if you believe this. You should believe this. This water came from a stream. Okay, I got it this morning from my kitchen. It's called the soda spring, you know. Yeah. So this water, we'll say this is spring water, okay. This is water. Now, Jesus is saying this. The water that I give you, okay, it's going to be permanently satisfying, and you drink it, right. Okay, so here's water, spring water, okay. Now, I just want you, because you're going to actually dramatically depict this. So I, I want you, you're looking too happy. I want you to look thirsty. Okay. Yeah, I know, it's hard. I don't know. What does a thirsty person look like? Okay. All right, you're Steph Curry. It's the fourth quarter. You are so thirsty. Okay? All right, all right. Now, Jesus says, the water that I give you. Okay? Okay, that's good. You're, you're doing it. You're doing it. Okay. Okay, no smiling. You're thirsty. Okay. Now, now what I w look at that. That's good. Yes. Okay, now, the water that, okay, that's the water. That's the, that's the basically water that came from a spring. Okay, spring water. The spring f flows into this water, right? You with me? Okay, and the water I give you, when you drink it, okay, go ahead and drink it. Okay, yeah, because it's, it's, it's spring <laughs> sparkly water, you know, came from my kitchen. Okay, all right, so that water is actually traveled down Laura's, it's right, it's inside her, right? Now, what does Jesus say next? This is interesting. A lot of times we read the scripture and we go, yeah, that's, that's a cool image. What does, Jesus is serious about his images. What does he say happens to the water? He says, that water, what? Oh, it goes into your tummy, your smile, you feel permanent. No, he says, that water, what? No, 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 the next verse. The water that I give him will become a spring. We read this passage so many times, we're just like, oh, it just, it's nice metaphors. No, no, no. Jesus is saying permanent satisfaction. The water that I give this person, very satisfying. You say, ah. Okay. But, but there's more. The water is in there becomes a spring. You guys notice that? So spring yields water. Water that goes in here becomes a spring. And it wells up to eternal life. Wow. Is Jesus really saying that? Now, the, the, the word for wells up, if you, if you look in, in the Greek, it's the same word with, that when there was a lame man in the book of Acts. You know, lame, he couldn't get, and then Jesus healed them. And then all of a sudden, the whole body started, and he started leaping. The word for leap is the same word for wells up. So basically, water is actually, it's a spring now, and it's, it's welling up, and it's springing, and it's gushing, and it's, 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 it's brimming over the brim, and it's pouring over into eternal life. 
Okay, Laura, you were a great um, model of all. You can keep the water, actually. That's, that's good. <laughs> can we give Laura a hand for doing that? Now, I, I, I wanted you guys to feel the imagery, the imagery that Jesus is giving. This is really powerful stuff. Now, here's where I stop and I pause and I say, is this also true of your life? Is that how you would describe God's work inside you? Now, what does the water represent? The water represents the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? Well, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's not a one-time experience, but the Holy Spirit makes his home inside you. That's the water becoming a spring. And then it's welling up. It's leaping. New life, new joy, new love. A love for God that you didn't have before. A love for other people you didn't have before. Hope, joy. It's, it's amazing. It's gushing. It's springing forth. It's leaping, actually. And it's brimming over towards eternal life. It starts here. It gets even better. And it brims over to it. Does that describe you? Now, some of you would say, yes, sort of. And others of you say, no, not really. And some of you are just like, uh, not really, but how to. Andrew, can you be more practical? How to? No. Jesus right now is not on how to. He's on want to. And the word, I, you need to hear this, like Laura getting up here. Jesus wants your life with him to be incredibly satisfying. You look at this passage. How can you not come away from this passage with that message? Jesus wants your life with him to be incredibly satisfying. Is it? Again, some of you are like, okay, tell me how to. No. Want to. Jesus wants your life with him to be incredibly satisfying. Do you also want it to be incredibly satisfying? Because if you accept the vision for Jesus, then you're not going to settle for anything less because that's what he wants to give you. So do you want it too? Jesus wants your life with him to be incredibly joyful and satisfying. And I'm telling you what, you give Jesus the most glory when you find him incredibly joyful and satisfying. This is our number one priority as a church. There's nothing more important than this. I could talk about, I could talk about 10,000 10, things I can talk about. I don't know if there's something more important than this. I think this is the most important. Do you want this? I'm going to challenge you today that if you do want this, I'm going to challenge you to ask for it every single day. Say, God, increase my enjoyment of you. It can be a prayer as simple as that, but to ask it every day. And look, Jesus wants it. He gave a vision, not like a few people will receive this, but this seems to be for everyone who calls themselves a believer. This is the vision. This is where we're going. Do you want it too? I was uh, looking for some sort of dramatic depiction of, of what Jesus is talking about, and I, I had a couple different uh, things like come to mind. I think this one was the best, and really like demonstrating what Jesus is talking about, the thirst, the enjoyment, the satisfaction. You guys ever watch the, uh, the movie The Way Back? Okay, well, here's one of the best scenes. Take a look. <sighs> It's in Anamirash. Oh, we have no water. There's trees there. If there's trees, there's water. No, I don't care. It's east. We're going south. But Janusz, we've got to give it a try. No, no, no. We must keep it going south. 
Or he'll kill us all. Damn it. We, 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 Janus, we're dying. We're already dying. Stop. The mirage! Mirage. I just don't have birds. <laughs> talk about like Jesus and evangelism and and someone is like why would you want to sh share your faith with another person isn't it like on a very basic level is well it's kind of, isn't it like that I mean that that's it right that's it I mean that is what Jesus is talking about in this in this in this passage Jesus alone can quench that that thirst no no one else can and I have found it in Jesus, and so then you just want to share it with other people. Okay, but let's go deeper. Let's go deeper with this passage. Okay, let's keep on going. Now, I just wonder at this moment if it's like, okay, Jesus talks about living water. It's pure. It's clean, right? And you go a step further, and it will permanently satisfy your soul. And you go a step further. In fact, that water will make its home in you, and it's going to be gush, 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 and then it's going to pour over towards eternal life, okay? And we're like... Okay, have you been experiencing that kind of life? And maybe some people are like, no, 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 not really. And then maybe the question is, well, why, why not? And then I think the most practical thing that people would say, if they're really being honest, is like, well, honestly, I'm just looking elsewhere for satisfaction. I'm just kind of looking else. Now, now, stay with me. Okay, so Jesus is talking about living water, and Finally, this woman wants it. She's like, where can I find this? I want this. Give this to me, right? Now, 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 at this moment, Jesus says to her, she turns and says, I want you to close your eyes and stick out your hands and we're going to pray, right? No, he doesn't do that. What does he do? Uh, why don't you go get your husband? What? Like, why? why? And, then, and then it goes, well, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus says, well, it's true. I, I think he said very compassionately, you don't. You, you've had five and the one that you're with is not your husband. What you said is true. Okay, why is Jesus bringing up her broken past? What does that have anything to do with living water? Now, they say in this passage that it's very tangential, that it just kind of changes. It's kind of random, right? And, and a lot of it's driven by the, by, the, by the woman. But here, there's a change of topic, and who's changing the topic? It's Jesus. Well, why is he changing the topic? Well, here's my thing. I don't think he's changing the topic at all. He is still talking about living water. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, I think the, the big idea is that Jesus is saying, look, everyone is a worshiper. Everyone worships. Let me hear you guys say, everyone worships. 
Everyone worships. It's not a matter of if you are a worshiper. Everyone's a worshiper. It's more a matter of what are you worshiping. So he's looking into this woman's heart, into her life, and he's identifying a false god. And now he's very gently kind of bringing up this false god. Now what is this false god? Men. For her, it, it, it was men, just like women was for me. A false god. And here's the thing. She was looking for that unfailing love and acceptance in husband number one. And it, it, he, was, he was a disappointment. I don't know. He cheated on her. I don't know what happened. He spurned. So then their husband number two came. And okay, now my hopes will be realized. And there's no husband number two. And then number three. And then number four. And then number five. And then number six came. And she's like, okay, let's just not even bother getting married. That well is all dried up. Let me ask you, what well in your life is all dried up? Where are you going for that satisfaction? And then here's the honest reflection. How's it working for you? I can imagine Jesus in this passage almost asking the woman, hey, how's that working for you? I don't see a stern rebuke. It's more like he's bringing it up. Why? Because it's a false god. These men will let you down every time. I've heard sin described like this, and I love this definition. A lot of times people think of sin like you're holding on to something bad and evil, right? Well, a very wise teacher said, no, actually, most of the times it's not like that. It's not poison. It's actually apple pie. Sin is like apple pie. Sin is what happens when you take a good thing and you look to it to be an ultimate thing. But it's not an ultimate thing. It's just meant to be a good thing. Ultimate thing is meant to be ultimate thing. And good thing is meant to be a good thing. So many times we're going up to a well that's dried up and it leaves us disappointed. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, let me just give you some examples. Like, okay, let's just talk about marriage, right? Maybe some people here who are single, you're really looking forward to it. Oh, I just can't wait to get married. And, and marriage is really good, but I just want to ask you one question. If you were to ask Raina if marriage to me has given her soul complete satisfaction, how many of you think Raina would be right on he has? Go ahead, raise your hand. Kevin raises his hand. Okay, well, you know, it's mostly true. No, it's not true at all, actually. It, it, actually, I would say, it, could you share that with Raina? Because she does not think that's true, right? She does not think it's even close to being true. Yes, thank you. Let me give you another example. Um, a, a lot of times, like in the Bay Area, there's, there's this feeling because, you know, I'm not, not going to call anyone out, but there's a kind of feeling like, you know, I want to be a homeowner. And if I owned my own home, then I would be truly happy. Sometimes people think like that. They're not going to say it out loud, but they're thinking like that. Or their whole lives are geared towards getting the home, so they must be thinking uh, uh, something like that behind it all, okay? Now let me just ask you, if you own a home, okay, if you're a homeowner in this, in this, in this crowd, has that home truly made you happy? Anyone here? Come on, anyone? Okay, I, I own a home. It's all right. I, it's okay. I mean, it's nice living with the UN, so that's cool. But, but I wouldn't say it's like brought me ultimate happy. I'd probably be just as happy renting, honestly. So then you're asking a question, why did you buy a home? I'm like, good question. I don't know. Okay, next thing. Uh, what about career? Some people feel like, okay, if I just have this dream career, you know, 
Um, uh, the, where I can, there's flexible, flexibility in the schedule, it's high paying, it's respectable, then I would be truly happy. Okay, I have a friend, dream job, he was in higher education for 15 years, got that dream job two years later, which is right now. He hates his job. I, it didn't make him ultimately happy. We can keep on going on the list. All these different things, money, you know, we can keep on going. And ultimately, they will disappoint you. Ah, but some of you, no, 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 not my family, not my kids. You might have a point there. My kids are awesome. Except when they're not awesome. That, and that's, you know, that's quite, quite often when they're not awesome. But, but I, you know, I, being a family man is great. I do enjoy it. But here's the thing, here's the thing, and maybe a lot of people here can, can relate to this. One day, they will leave the house and then text you once a month. Can I get an amen? <laughs> mom, is that true? My mom could be up here and be like, they're okay. <laughs> He's all right. He's all right. He didn't call me enough. Ultimately, all these things that we're chasing after to give us ultimate satisfaction, they don't. Can I get an amen? It's true. It's like a dried up well. And here's Jesus saying, look, before you can come to the real thing, you have to turn away from all the false gods. You have to realize that those are dried wells. And they're not dried now. They will dry later, later on. They will be dried up later on. There is one investment where you will be permanently satisfied with your soul. It will brim over towards eternal life. And that is the investment of Jesus Christ. That is the conviction of this passage. Is he your number one priority? Do you want what he wants? Because he wants to satisfy your soul. But you have to first turn away from these false gods to make room for the true God. Uh, I'm going to ask Will to come up here. Actually, why don't we do this? Will's going to come up here in a second. What I want you to do, because I think we're on a roll here. Uh, if you look in your bulletin, it's, I'm asking you personally, what is your false god? What is that well that if it hasn't dried up, it's going to dry up soon. What, where are you looking for that kind of satisfaction? I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. What's that wrong place? What I'd like you to do is actually identify. This is the time for you to actually correspond, not to me, but to actually have a little built-in reflection time. I'm going to call Will up here, and he's going to actually share his testimony. But while he's walking up here, just write something down. If you're afraid that someone might read it later, write it in code. I don't know. That, that's fine. Write it in code. Everyone probably has a false god, a potential false god. Why don't we name it right now? Let's just be honest. Let's roll up our sleeves and name it. What is that for you? I'm going to give you like, I know, 30 seconds, trusting the Holy Spirit will bring something to mind. All right, if you have written something or identified something or in the process of identifying something, I challenge you today to share with another person. To share with another person. Maybe it's on the car ride home. I mean, a lot of times we just, we just talk about like, you know, stuff that's not really important, let's be deep on the car ride home. Let's share about that one thing where it's like, you know, this is kind of where I look for that soul satisfaction, you know, and, and maybe you can answer the question, well, how's that working for you? It wasn't working for this woman. It hasn't worked for me. Is it working for you? Okay, um, can we give a warm welcome to Will here who is going to be sharing his testimony? Thank you. So let, let me kind of you know, hinge upon your uh, message. So uh, my testimony is about, uh, just, just to share my testimony about my conversion into life with Christ uh, begins at college. Uh, part of my story involves 
um, describing how my family structure was because a lot of this, um, how God captured my heart uh, revolves around that. Um, at the time, my, my struggles and, and false gods were where I only believed in myself and, and my prideful heart and a very stubborn reliance on um, um, just 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 my, myself, just just relying on myself. Um, and I, I began to kind of internalize all my family struggles as something only I could solve or, or find solutions for. Um, there was a lot of dysfunction in my family at that time. Um, you know, I, I was in a web of being the older brother and, and wanting uh, peace for all the parties. Um, you know, major stages of rebelling with, with my siblings and, and my parents. And even though I wasn't um, responsible for, for all this, I, I felt like I had to be involved and, and I felt like I could solve it or, or, or calm it down. Um, I basically wanted total control and, and I almost dare to say like I wanted to be God of the situation and, and I um, only believed in myself and all my attempts to uh, reconcile this. But, but as the years go, go on, I've always failed and the dysfunction kind of remained. So, so I really desired a sense of s uh, satisfaction for my life and so, and I felt if my family was at least, you know, quote, normal, I would have uh, quenched my thirst and peace would come to my, my soul and heart. Um, Jesus wanted more than that. Jesus wanted my life with him to be um, satisfying. A and I finally began to see that because during th the first week of college, um, my, my friends invited me to a fellowship and that was where I kind of met an evangelist and my eventual disciple. But um, the evangelist's name was, was Joe and he simply that night, I remember this because he walked up to me and, and he asked me if I was ever thirsty. And I told him, uh, yeah, you know, a couple of hours ago I was thirsty. And, and then, then, then he asked me, you know, imagine, you know, can you imagine being thirsty for eternity and, and never being able to quench that, that thirst? And that picture um, kind of triggered in, in my head that I realized that all those um, struggles and the false gods that I had, I, I was basically trying to quench that, that thirst in, in my life by solving it myself, um, um, re relying on just, just my prideful heart. And, and then I, at that point, when I saw him share that, he, I, I basically, I didn't see him, but I, I think, I, I mean, I know I saw Christ at that time because when he was sharing, he actually became like transparent and it was almost a, as, as if, you know, God himself was t asking me, you know, do you want your thirst to be quenched? Like, do you want to have um, kind of this, this well of ever um, lasting water? And, and when uh, Joe shared that, uh, and he told me that, you know, this, this thirst can be only quenched by, by God, I actually realized that I needed it right then and there. Um, I, I didn't pray with him at that time, but, but he passed the track along uh, to, to me. And I, I remember we finished our conversation, and then he asked me, you know, don't, don't, don't forget, um, you know, God wants to quench your thirst, and he doesn't want to leave you um, in eternity without being, you know, quenching that, that thirst. And that, that picture of thirst just kind of very, 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 I, I knew that was what I was missing. So um, 
later that evening, uh, he, he passed the track along to, to me, and I simply, you know, read that track, and, and, you know, that was actually the first time I've actually heard of the gospel through that track. Um, up until that point, um, no one ever shared the gospel with me, and um, that evening was when I read the track, and, and I just prayed the sinner's prayer, um, realizing that, that this sin in, in my heart of being prideful and, and just wanting to do things on my own was just what dragging me down all those years. And um, I accepted Christ that, that night. Um, the struggles didn't go away, um, but I began to, you know, see my thirst um, fulfilled by, by God and, and, and God changing my, my heart. And I think um, this, this picture of, of eternity is, is something that is going to be part of my tools in my toolbox when I ev evangelize. Um, it's it's, it's going to be something that actually I have used before and uh, can, will continue to pray for the people that, that I want to reach in, in my life. Um, so just thank you for the opportunity to you know, hear this about thirst and God punching it. So we now come to the place where we're like, okay, how to? What, what, do you, what, what is this passage calling us to do? Uh, and this part is going to be pretty quick, but it's twofold, okay? What is this passage calling us to do? I think number one is calling us to turn away. If you are looking for satisfaction in a false god, Jesus is bringing up the husbands in the past because he wants her, in her heart, to turn away. To realize that these men, men in general, is failing me. It's a dried up well. I am going to turn away my heart from this place and I'm actually going to look to Jesus for that satisfaction. Now, if the first thing that we do is turn away from false gods, then the second thing we do is we ask. Like, what, what practical um, uh, word is given to us from this passage, you know? I mean, there's got to be a how-to. But remember, Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that it's talking to you, then you would what? You would, you would ask him, and he would give to you. So you read this passage, you're like, okay, that sounds awesome, and Laura's up here, and it's brimming over, there's love, there's joy, there's excitement. I want that. Okay, well then, what's, what, well then the passage says, ask. Have you been asking? It is like, maybe someone's here like, yeah, I've been a Christian for a while, I'm not experiencing that. But then I would say, but have you been asking? Have you been asking? Well, I asked maybe like five years ago, have you been asking every day? This is something that you should spend your life on. It's more than one prayer. It's an everyday prayer. God, increase my joy in you. Increase my joy in you. God, I am chasing after things that really don't matter and really won't last, and I can't stop. I see them as joy, but would you please orient, reorient my heart so I see you as my joy. God, I need help, you know. You guys, this is where we're going as a church. I, um, this is where we're going in the fall. Uh, I, I still believe this is our greatest problem as a church. And if we can fix this, 
It holds potential for everything else. But the prayer here is, God, increase my joy in Christ. And part of that good news is that Jesus wants your life with him to be incredibly satisfying. And if he wants it, and you want it too, then it's going to happen. It will happen. Let me uh, have you guys stand. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. For those of you, and you're and just being honest here, if you're like, honestly, that picture of permanent satisfaction of life that's just bubbling over, that is not me. I want that. I don't know if there's a better invitation for you than just to go to the back and receive prayer. I think, actually, that given to a person is the response of many prayers. So why not go to the back and say, well, that's me, and I would like that kind of joy in Christ. I'm chasing after all these other things, and I'm so, I'm building my own world. And if, if you want to be untangled from that mess, so your heart can be free to love the only person that's truly worth loving in the universe, then why don't you go in the back and receive some prayer, and we'd love to pray for you.